Genesis chapter 3. Let me pray for us um, as we dig in here, if we can do that. Let's pray. Father, guys, we embark on this new journey tonight. Just through your word, God, I pray that you would captivate us with your word. And God, I pray that tonight that you would just stir our affections for Jesus. God, the problem with, with many of us is that we just don't love Jesus enough. And then we've got symptoms of that, God, where we, we don't read your word and we, we are struggling with sin. And the reality is it's not that we need to rededicate. We just need to love Jesus more. And so, Father, I pray that you would stir our affections for Jesus. And God, you would take us uh, to a deeper level. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, here's what we're doing tonight. We are starting a series called The Pursuit. And um, basically, it's kind of building off of origins. And for the next seven weeks, you may think I'm crazy, but we're going to walk through the Old Testament in seven weeks, okay? Victor said he did Deuteronomy in three. I'm like, I can do the Old Testament in seven. I beat you, okay? So so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the Old Testament in seven weeks. Now, don't, now, some of you are real detail people. Others of you are big picture people. I don't know if you found this out about me or not, but I am big picture person. And my wife can tell you, I am big picture person. And so this works well for me. But if you're a detailed person, you're like, but, but you forgot to talk about the, the, the Levitical law and Le, Le, Leviticus 19.33, and I've loved that law. Don't freak out, okay, because I'm not going to talk about it. We don't have time to talk about every detail, but for seven weeks, we are going to hit the main theme. And, and basically, it's this. For a lot of us, we've grown up in church, around church, and even those of us who haven't grown up at church at all are familiar with some of these stories about Noah and about Moses and Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. And, okay. Um, so, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay. But, but we have these stories that kind of float around. And, and for the longest time until I went to Bible school, honestly, they were these stories where I thought, man, these are great life principles. I can look at Abraham's life and get some amazing life principles. But the reality is, although I can get some amazing life principles by looking at Abraham's life and looking at Moses' life, uh, the reality is, is that those stories are not there to give you eight ways to be a better person. Those stories are not there to give you eight, eight ways to, to better love God. The reality is, is this, is all those stories stack up on one another and they tell one big story. And that's what we're going to see over the next seven weeks is that these stories that we have all kind of heard and they float around a little bit. We kind of know what they mean. We kind of know how they work, how they all fit together. But I want us to start in Genesis chapter three. And if you're there, um, join me in reading Genesis chapter 3. I'm in Genesis chapter 32. guess I added something to the end of that one. Genesis chapter 3. And you're going to remember this, but it's right after the fall, right after God pronounces the curse on the man and the woman. And, and here's what it says here. Look at verse 21. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and live forever. So therefore the Lord God sent them out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground. He drove out the man in the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So God is pretty serious about sin. He takes Adam and Eve, and he puts them out of the garden. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about the Old Testament. You may have some of these misconceptions. I grew up in a Baptist church. I had a lot of these misconceptions about the Old Testament. But, but to kind of understand the Old Testament, I want to kind of walk you through a couple of details, even though I'm not a detailed person. 
about how the Old Testament's put together, because that's going to drive us for the next seven weeks as we talk about this. It's going to be on the screen here tonight, but the Old Testament's kind of broken up into different parts. So when you look at the Old Testament, and you may know this, but when you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament's broken up into three parts, into three types of literature, and basically it's this. It's Torah. Everyone say Torah. Torah is the law. It's the first five books of the Old Testament. It was written by Moses. It is the law of God, and it was given to his people so they could know how to relate to God and how to relate to one another. It's the Torah. So when you hear a Jewish person talk about Torah, they're not talking about all the Old Testament. They're talking about the law of God. So there's Torah. That's the first part of the Old Testament scripture. But then the second part of the Old Testament scripture is a really cool word. These next two words are really awesome to say. You should just throw them out in conversation. The next one is the Nevim. Everybody say Nevim. The Nevim is the prophets. These are the guys like Isaiah, right, that are like prophetic, man, Malachi. These are the prophets. And so you've got the Torah, which is the law of God, but then the prophets who spoke to the nation of Israel to say, hey, you're not living by the law of God. And there's one coming who can change your heart. We're going to see that in the next couple of weeks. So you've got the Torah. You've got the Nevim. But this is a really cool one. The Ketavim. Everyone say the Ketavim. The Ketavim is the writings. The writings are things like Song of Solomon, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the wisdom literature is usually in the Ketavim. And so you've got these three parts of the Old Testament, and they all work together to tell this one big story of God's pursuit of his glory and his pursuit of his people. Because here's what we see. There's all these misconceptions about the Old Testament. And some, some of us have these misconceptions. A lot of people outside of church have these misconceptions. You may have these misconceptions. And here's what these misconceptions usually look like. That God is different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. Has anybody ever thought that? Like you've looked at the Old Testament? I'm going to be honest with you. I have. You look at the Old Testament and you read some stories from the Old Testament and you think maybe God is a little bit different. Same God, but there's this idea sometimes with people that God God had a migraine in the Old Testament. He was just mad. I mean, he's blasting people, man. There's, there's thousands of people being slayed over here. There's armies dying. So it's kind of like you look at the Old Testament sometimes and people go, was God, was God just angry for like a long time? Is he mad at Adam and Eve and so he just takes it out on people? And then he took a Tylenol PM and took a nap for 400 years. And then we have the New Testament and Jesus is happy. And he's happy with everybody else and he's going around healing people, right? No. <laughs> God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here's what we're going to see as we journey through this, is that God has not changed. He's not changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's all telling one story. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 3, and here's the story. The reality is, is this, is that the Old Testament is the story of God pursuing his fame or his glory, we talk a lot about, It's the story of God pursuing his fame or his glory, and it's the story of him doing that by pursuing his people. See, when God God lost that relationship with man in the garden, when we fell and that mirror image that we talked about a few weeks ago was broken, everything fell apart. What you see is God walking into the garden, and I love this because God walks into the garden. If you've got your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, When they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. (laughs) But the Lord, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Here's the amazing part. I want you to get this. 
is that in the moment of sin, Adam and Eve run and hide. Don't you know that in our lives, when we are in sin, my natural inclination is to hide. It's my natural inclination. My natural inclination is to go, I'm going to cover my sin. And here's what they do. They run and hide. And here's what God does. He comes after them. He comes after them. Don't you know that God has come after you? Because I know Matt, and I know that when Matt sins, and even still today as a Christian, when I sin and I walk away from the Lord, my tendency is to want to hide. And God comes after me. He will not let me run. He will chase me. Because as he chases me, he is also restoring his glory. See, what was broken was the image of God in those people. And God goes after them and he says, I love you and I love my fame. So I'm going to go after you. And he goes after them. But here's the really cool part, man. This just rocks my world. Look at verse or chapter 3 and go up to verse 20. Or go down to verse 20. It says this. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Verse 21 says this. And then the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. See, they hid and they tried to cover themselves in their shame. And God goes after them. And not only does God go after them, but check this out. It's an amazing prophecy of what Jesus is going to do. God sees them, and instead of being wrathful towards them, even though we look at that and go, man, he kicked him out of the garden. He kicked him out of paradise. He could have said, I'm, I'm sorry that you guys did that. Don't do that again. Smack you on the hand. You're cool. He kicks them out of the garden, so God takes sin seriously. But watch what he does before he kicks them out of the garden. He covers them in their shame. Here's what you have to know. That God in the beginning is not some angry God with a migraine just ready to blast people. That God is pursuing Adam and Eve. And the way that he pursued Adam and Eve is this, is I'm going to cover you. And watch how he covers them. It says this, that he took an animal and he made garments of skins and he clothed them. Do you know what it would have taken to make a garment of skin out of an animal? To slay it. Up to that point, there had not been the killing of any animal. Up to that point, nothing had shed blood. And Jesus steps into the middle of all the mess and the sin, and he says, I'm going to cover you, and here's what it's going to take. It's going to take me shedding blood. It's going to take me taking the skin of an animal and putting it around you. And God, in his grace, he pursues them, and he says, I'm going to cover you. (laughs) And It's going to take the shedding of blood. Because someday... God knew that he would shed the blood of his son. And Jesus' flesh would tear on the cross. And in doing that, you and I would be covered. Man, this is a picture of the gospel. So here's what you got to know, is that from the get-go, this story in the Old Testament is not a story of a mad God. It is a story of a God who's pursuing his fame. And in doing so, he's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. He's pursuing his people. He's pursuing us. Tonight, there may be some of you in this room that you are here tonight, but the reality is you are running from God. It is highly possible to come to church every week, to go to Bible study every night, to know the things of God, but yet be running from God. It is highly possible to be that. Because I know that because I know that was true about me, and it has been true about me in different points of my life. 
is that I'm, I'm really good sometimes. And we are really good about putting up a facade and covering ourselves. And Jesus says, no. God steps into that and says, you know what? You look really good and you sound really good and you can quote the Bible really good. But why don't you stop covering yourself? And let me cover you. Because that's our natural inclination is to cover ourselves. And to run from God and say, no, I got this. And God says, no, you don't. Let me cover you. God is a gracious God that in the midst of our sin pursues us. How has he pursued you? You know your sin. You know your life, man. And we could spend hours taking testimony upon testimony of how God has pursued you. God is a God who pursues. And the story of the Old Testament is story after story after story after story of God pursuing his people in that pursuing his fame and his glory. Now, I want you to continue on with me a little bit here. God, not only is this story about him kind of pursuing his fame and pursuing his glory, but this story of the Old Testament we're going to see over the next seven weeks. And tonight is just an introduction for you. So my my goal is to hopefully you will come back because you want to actually know what the Old Testament says. But the story is God pursuing us and pursuing his fame. But then it also is this. It's a story that all together, when you put all those stories that we learned in Vacation Bible School together, when you link them all together, they are all pointing to one person, Jesus. It is a story that points to, is saturated in, is surrounded by the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. How do I know that? Well, if you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 5. We're going to fast forward a little bit here to the New Testament. And I love Jesus. I I don't know if you've ever read through the Gospels. Maybe some of you are reading through the Gospels. I know one of the carry to the table groups is going to read through the Gospels and then just talk about them. But the Gospels are amazing because you get a picture of who Jesus is. And and sometimes I love the way that Jesus interacts with the Pharisees (laughs) because they thought that they knew everything. Check this out. John chapter 5. This tells us right here how we know that the Old Testament is all about Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about it like that. Look with me here in verse uh, 31, John chapter 5. Jesus is talking. He says this. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another who bears testimony about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. This is Jesus talking. He says, you sent to John, and he is borne witness to the truth. He's talking about John the Baptist. Not that the testimony that I received is from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard. Man, that is a smack in the face of the Pharisees. These guys spent their days in the temple, and he says, you have never heard from this God. Ouch. Then he says this. And you do not have his word abiding in you. Ouch. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Now, verse 39 is it. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have this life. Verse 42, look at that. It says this, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. 
How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, and on him you have set your hope. But if you believed in Moses, you would believe in me also because he wrote about me. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this whole deal is about me. When you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all about Jesus. So get this picture in your mind with me for a second. Because anytime in the New Testament when it talks about the scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament. Because obviously at that point, the New Testament didn't exist. So when any time in the scriptures, it talks about the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures. It's talking about the Torah, the Ketavim, the Netavim. It's talking about the Bible, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So Jesus is hanging out one day with these Pharisees, and they begin to question who he is. And he looks at all of them. Now, I want you to know this about the Pharisees, if you don't know this. These guys spent their days studying the law of God. They studied the Torah. They knew the Torah better than anybody else. And he looks at them, and here's what he says. You can look back in John 5 with me. He says this, verse 39. You Pharisees search the scriptures, the Old Testament, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and they actually bear witness about me. Here's what Jesus is saying. The whole Old Testament that you guys study all the time is all about me. It all points to me. Missed it. I have a three-year-old. Most of you know that. Her name's Ava. And um, she has this Bible. We bought her a Bible. Now, most kids' Bibles are kids' Bibles. They're, like, kind of cheesy, you know. And and you remember when you were a kid, right, when they tell you the stories at VBS? Nobody's telling you the stories that are, like, really gory, like people getting their head. Like, when you get to Goliath, it's like, oh, they cut his head off. Um, We won't tell that part, you know. When you get a little bit older and you start reading these stories, you're like, they didn't tell me that in VBS. I didn't know that was in the Bible. The really cool thing about this Bible is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I love it because not only is it not cheesy, but it has good artwork in it. Some of you will appreciate that. It's Old Testament, New Testament stories. It's not the whole Bible, obviously. My daughter, my daughter would not last through Leviticus, so that's good. But every night we read this to her. We sit down with her, and she loves the Bible. And anytime she's like, Daddy, I want to read the Bible, I like flip out, man. I'm like, yes. (laughs) So she wants to read the Bible. Every night she wants to read the Bible. And she gets upset if we don't read the Bible. Yeah, she's like, I I want to read the Bible. And she'll start crying. I'm like, okay, I'm a horrible dad. Yes, we'll read the Bible, okay? (laughs) Like, you're not crying because I didn't give you chocolate. You're crying because I didn't read the Bible to you, right? The really amazing thing about this Bible is that it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And as you're walking through the Old Testament, and it tells the stories, Noah and Abraham. And what I love about this Bible is it doesn't gloss over anything. Like, there's stories in there, and it says, and people died. And I'm, like, reading it, and I'm like, uh. And she's like, why did they die, Daddy? I'm like, uh. (laughs) When it gets to Jesus and he's on the cross... The picture is, is he's, he's being crucified. There's blood. And she knows that Jesus suffered. Three years old, she knows. She'll ask us every time. She'll say, Mommy, Daddy, why did Jesus, why, did, why are they hurting him? Why are they being mean to him? And I can see God is taking her little three-year-old heart and beginning to work on it even now. But here's the amazing part about this Bible. Is every story in the Old Testament, Noah, Abraham, The prophets, it goes through Isaiah some. 
It all points to Jesus. And it's this amazing deal because it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. When we bought it, we're like, that looks cool. But as we started to read through it, we realized at the end of every story, it's going, and another one is coming. Another rescuer is coming. God is going to rescue his people. Every time it says his never ending, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. Another one is coming. And God is going to rescue his people. And I'm sitting there reading it, man, and, and I'll, I'll be reading those stories, and I'll start crying. <laughs> and I'm like, it is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I'm crying, Daddy, are you okay? <clears throat> like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, man, I went to Bible college. I went to seminary, and I'm reading a kid's Bible crying, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, man, this would be an awesome message <laughs> from a kid's Bible. But it's something that we don't think about a lot is that every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And here's what Jesus was saying. You study the scriptures because you think that life is found in them. And they all point to me. Can I be honest with some of you tonight? The study of theology and doctrine, which some of us, many of us in this room love to talk about theology. We love to talk about doctrine. We love to talk about the Bible. But can I just be honest with you? Here is something I'm really afraid for a lot of us, including myself. Because Baptists are really big on the Bible, and I appreciate that. That's why I am a Baptist, second to being a member of the kingdom of God. But we can study the, the theology and the doctrine so much that we miss relationship with God. And then theology becomes our God. You study the scriptures because you think in them there's life, but they all point to me. And can I just tell you this, man? When I was in seminary and Bible college, it is very easy for God to become a subject. And God is a paper. God is a quiz. God is a test. But I do not have a relationship with him. And even if you're not in Bible school, that can become true. And what happens is there are guys and there are girls who love to talk about theology, and we hide behind our talk about theology we hide behind all of our theories that we know. We haven't talked to God in weeks. Doctrine is to point you to Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, your theology does not matter. If all you have is facts in your head and you have no relationship and it doesn't point you to Jesus, that's what he was saying that day. You study the scriptures because you think there's life in them, but they are to point you to me. They point you to me. Because the whole Old Testament confesses, points to Jesus. And it is really, really easy for me as a pastor, maybe for some of you that are even teaching in youth or will lead someday, to become like a tour guide with the Bible. You know what a tour guide does? A tour guide memorizes facts about places, and, and then they'll take people there, and they will tell them about these places, but a tour guide actually does not live in those places. So it's possible for me and for you to study the Bible so much that I become like a tour guide. I come in here every week and I can tell you about a place or you can tell your friends about a place that you don't live. That's what Jesus was saying. All of these scriptures point to me. And if you miss me in the study of the scripture, you've missed a point. The Old Testament, Noah, Abraham, the covenants, the prophets, Isaiah, all of it points to Christ. It all points to Jesus. Now, I want you to see this. Here's what he says. He continues on. Look at um, verse uh, 
39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's them that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me. Now, you may have to ask the question. You're like, okay, then how do things that are inanimate and don't talk bear witness? Because we think about the word witness. We talk about witnessing a lot. A witness is a person. So to witness is to talk about something. So words on a page don't witness. So you may ask the question, well, what does it mean when he says the scriptures witness to me? Because a witness is typically a person or they speak for something. And the scriptures do speak. But here's what I think that Jesus is saying here is that he's saying that God who inspired the scriptures is witnessing. He's talking about the fact that all of this is about me. And to be a witness, you have to see something, right? It says in Acts that they could not shut up or stop talking about what they had seen and heard. They were witnesses. So to be a witness means I have to see it and experience it. So who in the world would have seen and experienced Jesus from the beginning before he existed? God, the Father. And here's what he's saying in John 5. He's saying the scriptures point to me and they witness about me. And if you believe Moses, you'd trust me. You'd come to me. Yet it says in John 1, it says that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. It is possible for us to miss Jesus in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. So what does that mean for us tonight? Well, here's what it means. It means that God is pursuing us and he's pursuing us through his word. And the whole Old Testament, as we're going to lay out the next seven weeks, is a pursuit of us. And God is pursuing us first and he changes our hearts so that we'll pursue him. You did not pursue him first. And that's what I love, man. I love that about God is that he has pursued Matt in the middle of Matt's mess. Here's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that day. He was saying, you guys have missed the point. It's all been a pursuit of your heart. You've all been stuck in these words, but they don't give life. I give life. And I wonder tonight how many of us are there. God has been pursuing us. And this has become facts to us. This has become paper on a, in a book, in a nice little leather book. And we have cool ones. And we walk around and we go, hey, what translation do you have? I have ESV. You got NIV. You got NASB. We have all these things. And we talk about the Bible and we get around the Bible. But we never get with the one who the Bible is all about. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus. And it culminates in Jesus as we're going to see over the next few weeks. Here's my prayer for you this next few weeks. And tonight has just simply been somewhat of an introduction to what we're going to be doing. Is that over the next few weeks, as we walk through the Old Testament, and we see Noah, and we see Abraham, and we see Isaiah, we see the prophets, and we see David, we see these stories, and we begin to link them to Jesus, that would cause your faith to be more, more grounded. Because what you see is you see all of these things pointing you to Jesus, and it would stir your affections for Jesus. Stir your affections for Jesus. Because I think for some of us, even though we have the scriptures readily available to us, like they don't in many countries, we have become very calloused to who Jesus is. And it's very easy in America to become very calloused to who Jesus is. I, I like to put it like this sometimes. It's like we've been inoculated to who Christ is. Right now, They've got a swine flu inoculation, an H1N1 inoculation that's just come out. People can go and get inoculated to the swine flu. In just a few days, they're going to have, um, for, for people who work here in the school, because it's going around so badly, they're coming in and they're going to offer an inoculation of the flu here at Bell Shoals Baptist Church for people who work at Bell Shoals Baptist Church. 
because it's like rampant, man. So what happens when you get inoculation? Well, you get a little bit of the disease, and it goes in your bloodstream, and you get just enough to build up antibodies, and then when the disease comes, it ceases to affect you anymore. Here's my fear for us. Is that every week we could come to refuge or go to our local churches or go wherever we go. And it's cool. But Jesus ceases to affect us anymore. Because we are so inoculated in him. We study the scriptures. We miss Jesus. We check off our boxes. We go to 20 Bible studies. We miss Jesus. because we easily can become inoculated to who Christ is. And that's what had happened to the Pharisees. They were inoculated to who Christ is. And Christ says, you study the scriptures, but they all point to me, and you have not accepted me. And if you believe Moses, you believe in me. Oh, and they did believe Moses, man. The Old Testament is a story of God's pursuit of you and pursuit of his fame. And the Old Testament all points to Christ Jesus. And the reality is that in this place tonight, some of us may not know Christ Jesus. On any given week, I don't really know who's here. But, but some of us may have never experienced the grace of God, the cross of Jesus. And the fact that God pursues you in a sin means this, is that he's got this amazing love for you. Romans 5.8 says this, is that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That means he pursued us. And maybe tonight you need to embrace Jesus Christ, not a religion, Jesus, not a denomination, Jesus, not another Bible study, Jesus. The Bible says those who call upon his name will be saved. You know what's really cool is that the moment that we're calling upon his name, it's because he has first pursued us. In the garden, he walks in, in the cool of the day, and he says, where are you? And here's what we see through the rest of the Old Testament. God continues to say, where are you? Where are you? My question to you tonight is, where are you? Have you come to Christ before? Many of us in here are believers, but are you just checking boxes, man? going to Bible studies, going to church, you got your Bible, but you study the scriptures and you miss Jesus. You hide behind your theology and your church talk. Where are you? Tonight, God is pursuing you. He's always pursuing his glory. He's always pursuing his people. He's pursuing you. And he invites us to pursue him. We're going to worship a little bit more. Charlie's going to come and lead us. Tonight, if you would like to talk to somebody about how to know Christ, I'd love to talk to you. Um, any of these guys who are up here would love to talk to you. If you came with a friend tonight, they would love to talk to you about how to know Christ. If you're here and you just need to spend some time praying or talking to someone or praying with someone, we have a prayer room just right here. If you go out of these dividers and you turn right and then you turn left, you will see a room. It says Declaring Refuge. It's a prayer room where you can just go be alone with God um, or pray with somebody. And we'd invite you to do that. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship a little bit more. Father God, we, uh, we worship you tonight. 
God, I'm, th- I'm thankful for the truth that in Genesis 3, you stepped into that garden and you provided a way for Adam and Eve to be covered. And God, I'm thankful that you didn't stop there, God, that the whole Old Testament is a story about you pursuing us. And God, I'm thankful that you pursued me and you pursue a lot of people in this place. God, even when I've run from you, even when I've wanted to have nothing to do with you, your love still pursues me. And God, I'm thankful for that. And God, I'm thankful that you've invited me to share in your sufferings, in your resurrection, in your hope, in your life. And God, I'm thankful tonight that you allow me to be a part of declaring your glory to the nations. So God, I pray that as we worship, we would do just that. We would declare your fame. We declare your glory. And God, whatever needs to be done tonight, whether it's going to the prayer room and praying with somebody or just getting on our faces where we are. Father, I pray that in our study of the scriptures, we would not miss you. We would not be inoculated to you. We would not hide behind our theology and our Bible knowledge, but we would let it lead us to you. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's worship.